But if you want to excel, you want, you really want to make big jumps, you need to do something different. Again, take ownership, but try something different that not everybody else is doing. And uh, people then really know you. You differentiate yourself so much that you don't have to look for a job. Recruiters come to you. There are a lot of great books about getting ahead at work. But do you know where you really need to invest your time and energy? Do you need more job training or to improve skills like communication or leadership? And maybe you just haven't found that one career book that really resonates for you. Hi, this is Diana Brunel O'Leary with Job Talk Weekly. Today, I talk with Dr. Ashu Nandeshwar about his new book, SOAR, that provides his framework for how to move from inspiration to action and become more successful in your career. Let's jump in. Hi, Ashu. Welcome to Job Talk Weekly. Hi, Diana. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, you have such an interesting background in engineering and data science, so you're not the typical person that produces a book about career success, and maybe that's a good thing to have a new perspective. But tell us a little bit about what led you to write this book. What happens is a lot of these books on career, which are amazing, I mean, I say that in the book that a lot of these inspirational statements also that, oh, find uh, follow your passion or there is no nothing is impossible or find a, uh, when you have a will, you will find a way. So all those things are inspiring. And these books also give you lots of inspiration. Obviously, they have helped me to get where I am. I credit a lot of my success to reading lots of good books. But sometimes there is not a clear roadmap. So again, combining all of these things, my experiences, as you said, and talking to all the experts and again, going back to my favorite books, I thought a roadmap to close that gap between inspiration and actually putting the practical steps together would be a good thing for people, again, again, who are in early in their career and maybe think that they don't have all the opportunities or they don't have all the resources. So that's kind of uh, one way of doing it, I guess, through this book. Well, and I think finding career guidance is like anything else. You just have to resonate with the speaker. You know, there are a thousand books on improving your career, but it has to be that one person that speaks to you. So I think it's always good to have another perspective, another voice, someone who can relate to you in a whole different way. And I've seen that myself in some of the books that I've picked over the years, like all of a sudden there's one person that says the same thing that I've been reading for 10 years, but the way she says it, the way she delivers it really resonates. So that's why I think there's always room for another book about careers and and, and where you go in your careers. So one of the things that I like about your book, you talk early on about the importance of improving. And you use the word improve, which is different than sometimes in the workplace we talk about professional development, which is a little softer. But I think the term improve sort of acknowledges that there has to be some self-awareness that, okay, we're not as good at programming, marketing, writing, or whatever, as we could be. So there has to be some self-awareness that you want to get better. So talk to us about the importance of improving and why that's so critical. Yeah, I had not thought about that way, Diana. Thank you for saying that, that it could have kind of a negative connotation that you need to improve. But I think I am using it as more, since my training is in engineering, more on uh, industry engineering, improving processes. So that's how we are trained to look at things and processes that there is always a scope for improvement. You can always make things better. And that applies to us also. And as you said, that uh, some of these, again, these best books, uh, for example, The Seven Habits of Effective People, talks about the first principle is be proactive. 
take ownership of your life and take you have the agency to look at things even if you don't have again resources or opportunities as long as you have the agency and as long as you have the ownership of your uh, career and that mindset you can find ways to uh, improve and you spoke about uh, kind of training and learning earlier one of the things that i talk about in the book that i saw this in a great harvard business review paper which talks about complementary skills which may not be your core skills for example in technical roles your programming let's say you're a programmer you of course need to be a great programmer but what is that going to differentiate you from others so in complementary skills imagine athletes as the paper says that athletes don't only train on their sport but they cross train they do other things that make them faster better uh, at their core sport that they participate in so same thing applies to our career that we might be really good at what we do but to differentiate ourselves we have to find those complementary uh, skills and things that will help us differentiate but and also make more valuable to the organization well and i think sports is a great analogy i use that one all the time because any athlete continues to use a coach look at i tell the story of how serena williams has a tennis coach you know and the team has a coach and they practice every day so just because you have already reached you know whatever level of success you're the vice president of your department doesn't mean that you can't use some self reflection and some time to develop your skills so i think that's um i i like that analogy of using the athlete and one of the other things that you talk about in the book is persistence and i think that's so relevant in the job search because the flip side of persistence is patience and i wonder if you've seen that's where some people get tripped up they don't have the patience to wait they don't have the patience to wait for that next job or that promotion or to even give themselves time to improve i mean is that what you've seen with some other people this is a tricky subject of course because there are so many difficulties and uh, in the in lives of so many people and we saw utter devastation obviously in the last 2 years with the pandemic that uh, i empathize with anybody who again feels stuck or feels like there's no way out or they are not getting the next opportunity and nobody is helping them and especially this is true for underrepresented groups and uh, for example women in technology or other marginalized populations that they just don't have representation in right. especially in the tech world Right. so how are they going to get those opportunities so it is really hard so i empathize with anybody who is struggling through that yeah. however if we take a pause and uh, reflect on what you said about persistence and patience those are some of the things that you have to build and cultivate over time and if you again take that ownership mindset there is a great book uh, by shelly arkembu hopefully i'm doing justice to her name she is a black uh, farmer ceo of a tech company and she wrote a book called unapologetically ambitious and in that she says one line which resonated with me so strongly she says a lot of people think about how can i get uh, that it will never be possible for, possible for me and that's a mindset that she says is uh, defeating you should rather reframe that and say how can i get from point a to point b and then once you have that plan you just find people who can give you that advice to go from that point a to point b rather than uh just having that defeating mindset and saying i will never get there or this is not possible for me 
Yeah, I think that mindset is spot on. And we talk a lot about that here, about how much of it is in your head, your approach, right? And when it comes to networking and calling on other experts, I think for the woman who wrote that book, for me and you, Ashu, that might be kind of easy um, because we know the value of networking. And we might feel a little uncomfortable reaching out to someone new, but we get past it. But there are a lot of people who are afraid to reach out. For them, maybe they're junior in their career. They haven't done it. So what do you say to the people who are hesitant, who need to get over that first hump or that challenge, that fear of reaching out to someone that they don't know but could be really helpful in their career? I just had a conversation about this uh, with some other folks uh, at my workplace uh, this week. Culturally, there are some things. I mean, the way I my upbringing was that we had utter deference to authority. So teachers, elders, all were respected and questioning wasn't really promoted or encouraged. So it was hard for me and it still is hard for me to say someone who has a big title and you say, okay, what am I going to say to them or how am I going to reach out to them? So there is that fear of either rejection or just kind of awkwardness. Mm -hmm. But as you said, just taking that first step, it becomes easier. And as you said, again, there are lots of people who are willing to help also. People love to give advice. And that's how, if you frame it that way, I wrote, uh, there's a big chapter in the book about opportunities. Again, speaking about this, that how a lot of people don't get access to those resources. I am really fortunate and privileged that my college education happened in India. It was very cheap. My parents paid for it. Uh, Government subsidized it heavily. So I didn't have the huge burden and I was in a technical field. So it was relatively easy for me to build an expertise and then reach out to people. But when you don't have that, I can understand why it would be, uh, why you would be afraid to reach out to someone. But it just takes one or two first attempts that you just ask for advice. You're not asking anybody for uh, any job. Again, uh, in that uh, book from Shelley Arkembo, she says that when she was an intern, she just opened up the phone book when she was at IBM and started calling people who had titles like managers or senior directors. And just rather than figuring it out by herself how she can get what she wants, she just asked people, how did they get their job? And that was a big aha moment for her. And she advises the same thing to do everybody. So that would be one trick people can just use and say, hey, I'm curious about this field, this industry. I want to learn more. I'm just curious, how did you get into your job? Yeah, we used to call it the informational interview. And I I think some people are familiar with that phrase. But I wonder if I need to do a whole episode on informational interviewing, because it can take so many forms, but it can also be so easy. You know, what she did uh, was a great example of you're not asking for a job. um, You're not asking them for anything other than their advice on how they got to where they are. And people love to talk about themselves. And I think we're in a place, too, where, you know, you mentioned, you know, females getting... uh, promoted or getting access in the workplace. I know a lot of women, most women that I work with or I've interacted with over the years, they will always take a few minutes to speak to another woman who's up and coming in her career. And now I think there are a lot more groups um, for people from certain affinity groups who identify with 
either certain racial or ethnic backgrounds to get together professionally. And that might be the first step is to find that safe space for you. Let's say it's a women's association, a women's networking group, and that makes you feel more comfortable. You get some experience with the informational interview, and then you can branch out a little bit. So I want to touch on something that you just mentioned, though, about um, your own cultural experience, because I think that's also relevant uh, about, you know, the experience of being in the United States, you know, where the we're supposed to be the land of opportunity. And, you know, when I talk to my mom about moving and, you know, she's not an immigrant because she is from Puerto Rico. But even though we're U.S. citizens, we just have such a cultural um a culturally different experience, being born and raised on an island, et cetera, and then moving to Chicago or New York, et cetera. So tell us about your experience. When did you come to the U.S.? And I want to know how being an immigrant sort of has shaped your view on what success is. I would like to say, kind of repeat what almost every uh, economic immigrant says, that they came in with a handful of uh, dollars and a small suitcase, which is true. But again, going back to what I said, I am very fortunate, very privileged that my education happened in India, college education, and did not have a whole lot of debt that I have to still pay uh, Mm. 25 years from now. Mm -hmm. So I acknowledge that, and I really uh, am very grateful for that, that that happened to me. Because if that wasn't true, it would have been a very different situation. If I was not an engineering major, it would have been a very different situation. So I attribute a lot of things to that. But... Coming to the United States, of course, there was hardly anybody I knew in the whole North American continent. There was one distant cousin, uh, but that's it. And then there was nobody. We moved to a, uh, I moved to a new town, didn't know anything about the university or anything. All all I had to reflect was on those glossy brochures and all the green pictures that they had posted on their website. (laughs) And fortunately, my parents uh, had secured a loan to at least pay for two semesters worth of tuition, which was very cheap back then. So it was not like God some money. It was, I think, about $8,000. So uh, fortunately, I got a graduate assistantship within 10 days of me arriving uh, in Morgantown, West Virginia. And I was able to send that money back and they, we paid the loan. But then from then, I mean, as soon as I took the flight, that was my first flight ever you know, coming to the United States, I was filled with this kind of sense of, as you said, the land of opportunities. I was so filled with energy thinking about what all possibilities could there be in the United States. And as soon as I stepped into my campus and my engineering buildings, I was in so much awe. And when I saw the libraries, I said, wow, this is amazing. And I will say one of the things that actually really helped me was going to the library one day in the afternoon and seeing... Uh, I was just typing. Somebody had commented how poor my English was and my how many grammatical mistakes I was making. So I just went to the library and typed in grammar book or something. And I think I found a copy of uh, Elements of Style. Oh, yeah. Uh, White and Strunk. Oh, yeah. And that, that opened up so many good emotions for me because coming from kind of a British English education system, you always think, oh, English is so difficult because you have to use all these big words. You have to say all these different things. And White and Strunk just showed me that, no, you don't have to do any of that. You just need to be clear, concise. So I would say all of that, I guess, started there, is that my self-improvement journey. And then Amazon was there to suggest me other books. So I just started <laughs> adding and buying more. By the way, uh, spoken like a true data scientist who is relying <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the Amazon recommendation. You like this, so maybe you'll like that. 
Absolutely. No, I credit Amazon also for my early kind of reading and learning about all these topics on career success. Well, you know, one thing that I'm hearing in your voice is a lot of gratitude. You really are aware of, like you said, some of the good fortune that you have. So does gratitude really play a part in in improving and your career journey and in anyone's success going forward? I would say yes. And there are multiple reasons why I always feel grateful and uh, just have gratitude about everything that I have been given. And luck does play. When I was younger, I was arrogant and saying luck doesn't play a role. If I have the will, if I have the grit, I have the perseverance, I will get what I want. But I realized opportunities and luck play such a big role that not Mm -hmm. everybody has. Mm -hmm. And just yesterday, uh, India and people from my community, my ancestors were formerly formerly from the untouchable caste. And yesterday we celebrated the birth anniversary of the the social reformer of all those oppressed classes in India, Dr. Ambedkar. And 60, 70 years ago, had he not put in all these affirmative action, social justice policies, I would not be here speaking with you because my ancestors were not allowed to get an education. So I write about that. I write about my mom. I write about my great great grandma who literally took steps. She left her abusive husband, her second husband. She got a she became a widow very young and her second husband was very abusive. So she left her that small village, tiny village with three children uh, along with her and she took that journey, left that village and went to a big city, uh, my hometown and started a new life and she obviously didn't have any education. She was not allowed to have an education, but she still built a life for herself. And she was fiercely independent. She didn't rely on anybody else. And again, if she had not taken those steps, I would not be here. So, of course, all of these things add up and you have to reflect on what got you here. So we are all standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, and I think luck does play a part of it, but you have to then know and recognize that opportunity and take advantage of it. And I think that's really um, healthy that you're so aware of the good fortune that you've had and other people are in different situations and they might have more or they have less. And I think that's what I try and tell my kids is that no matter where we are, I think we're always in the middle because there's always someone who has more, but there's certainly a lot of people who have less. And so when we talk in our house about education and moving forward in their lives, I just say, you know, I just want you to have those opportunities. That way you can make choices. You know, you don't have to be a doctor or you don't have to be an artist. You could just be whatever you want to be as long as you have that opportunity. So I think as parents, maybe that's what um, we bring to this conversation is making sure that they have as many opportunities as possible. That way they can then take control of their career and take it in whichever direction. I mean, do you have those conversations with your teenage boys at home? (laughs) You don't don't want to hear what I have to say every day because my children definitely are tired of me saying this. (laughs) Because, yes, I mean, looking at my background, my where I came from, my wife came from and our parents and grandparents. And so there's a long list of people who have enabled us to be here where we are. So it would be just unfair to all of them who have made all these sacrifices and not to make the best of opportunities and resources that we have today. 
So I always encourage them to think about that and uh, not to put too much pressure, but just making, as you said, making most of the opportunities you have. I mean, we are 15 miles away from JPL. Who else gets to do that, that you are next to a science facility like that? So we need to recognize that and then again, put our, put our best foot forward, whatever your interest may be. But it, I write about this in the book also that it would be unfair to others, as you said, we are in the middle, then if somebody else is struggling and your talents can help them, then it's unfair that you're not using your talents fully. Oh, I like that. So look at your talents, your skills, what you contribute as a gift, as a gift to other people in the workplace or in our community. So what are some of the key takeaways that you want people to take away from your book? Because, you know, there, like I said, there are a lot of other career books out there. Um, but what do you want folks to take away from SOAR? Some of the things that could help someone is, and that's the main takeaway from the book, is as we discussed earlier, finding those complementary skills, building that tool set for yourself, creating things that are that organizations find of value. So you're taking the initiative, creating things that people only talk about or complain about, but you actually create those things and you find opportunities, again, as we discussed, and you create those opportunities for yourself by information interviews or using your creatives that you have created and talking about those. So that's kind of your branding piece of it can help you set apart so uh, so much from your competition that you'll always be acknowledged and recognized for all if you do all those things. And I think now is the perfect time for this because the labor market is working in our favor. I mean, we've seen the statistics about people quitting or reassessing. They may not know what they want to do, but they want more fulfillment in their life. And since work is such a large part of what we do, you know, I encourage people to really lead their job search with job fulfillment, whatever that is for them, because HR managers are really open right now. There's a high demand for quality people. So if you're not happy in your job, now is the time to make a change because, you know, if you're working in the workforce, whether it's five, 10 more years, 20 more years, you want to make that change now. And I'm glad that you're also sort of targeting Gen Z recent grads, because I do find that some of the recent grads, people in their young 20s that I've spoken to, you know, they knew there was a career services office at college, but they got a job and they didn't really pop in. And so now here they are a couple of years later and they don't know how to find help. They don't know how to make a switch. Maybe they feel bad because their parents paid all that money for them to get, you know, an engineering degree and they want to do something else. So I think now is a really great time for people to explore. And sometimes that's a book like you. Sometimes that's a podcast here. But to really do some research and reach out and sort of start to try things on because now is a time when a lot of people are shifting and I, I think it's okay. And so I'm wondering, are you also seeing people making those shifts in the workplace? Yeah, absolutely. I think the pandemic uh, and the remote work arrangements have people, people have learned what they could value and what they can prioritize over other things. So definitely people are trying to find, as you said, fulfillment. Okay, so tell us real quick, why did you come in on the word SOAR as your title? I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense, but was it hard finding the right title for the book? <laughs> uh, yes, titles are tricky, uh, but I think this was in my mind that you have to do, again, certain different things to for really excel in your career. If you keep doing the same things, yes, you'll have a good stable job that pays well, and you'll 
you, you can be happy with that, which is totally fine. But if you want to excel, you, you really want to make big jumps, you need to do something different. Again, take ownership, but try something different that not everybody else is doing. And uh, people then really know you. You differentiate yourself so much that you don't have to look for a job. Recruiters come to you. So that's why I think I chose this title that just don't take literal steps, one or two steps, but soar in your career. Well, Ashu, I want to thank you for spending time with us today. I will put a link in the show notes, but when is the book out and where can people find you? The book should be out in early May to late May, but they can learn uh, more about the book and maybe get get a few free chapters of the book. One way is they can text to this number, which is 33777, and the keyword is SOAR, S-O-A-R, to this number, and they can get free chapters of the book, or they could go to my website, which is mylastname.info slash SOAR. Thank you, Ashu. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Diana, for having me. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Job Talk Weekly. Leave us a review. Let us know what topics you want to hear. And we're always on socials on Instagram and Facebook, Job Talk Weekly, and our website, jobtalkweekly.com. See you next time.